Today on this episode of Going Deeper, we are talking about the miracles of Jesus and how we can read them, how we can understand them, and how we can still look for miracles today. I'm your host, Kyle McCaskill. I'm Becky Clark. I'm Haley Kesterson. Join us as we go deeper. So today we are talking about miracles of Jesus, the first of two episodes that mm-hmm. we're going to record that deal with miracles of Jesus. But I kind of wanted to start off with the dictionary definition of what does our world say a miracle is? And I just looked up on miracle, uh, miracle. I looked up on dictionary.com uh, the definition of a miracle, and it says it's an effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. Also, it could be such an effect or event manifesting or considered as a work of God. So... Basically, we don't understand it. We don't understand it. Yeah, it's it's the kind of thing of, okay, I don't get it. I don't see how it's possible. It's a mystery. Mm -hmm. It's a miracle. All right. So, yes, Jesus performed plenty of miracles in his time on earth. Mm -hmm. And some of them were more, I guess, uh, outrageous. Yes. Mm -hmm. Extraordinary than others. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, at least from an outward perspective. Right. Not the least of which is when he calmed the seas, <clears throat> which right. which I think today is kind of where we're going to kick off. Uh, we've heard the sermon already on John 2. Mm-hmm. So if you were in church on Sunday or if you watched church on Sunday, uh, this would have been, let's see, the date was the 20th, because uh, depending on when this episode gets released, March 20th, our sermon was on John 2. Mm-hmm. And so that's the the wedding at Cana. Mm-hmm. Which is so fun. It really is fun. The youth, as the youth director, they love to say, yeah, Jesus turned water into wine. Like <laughs> everything's fine with drinking and wine. And we use that too. And it's all a joke. We know, you know, that... It's okay to enjoy a glass of wine every once in a while, but where you know where is that line of sin? Anyway, it's a it's a hot topic with youth, well, right? Sure. Drinking is a big pressure <laughs> once you get in high school and on on into college, mm-hmm. and so we listen to sermons about what that that miracle actually means, yeah. So that we know that it's not about yeah, Jesus Go turned party. water into wine. It's about taking what's old and turning it into new. About being transformed. Mm-hmm. About mm-hmm. Um, all of these much deeper things. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to joke about wine, but yeah. there's a lot more meaning mm-hmm. to that but, whole miracle. And, and for all the youth out there, it, Jesus also said to give Caesar what is due Caesar's basically saying, mm-hmm. you know, obey the law. Right. And so if the law says don't, then maybe don't. There's one other thing about, uh, I know that Haley, you had something you want to talk about too in regard to miracles, but one other thing very specifically about uh, John 2, I don't know if, Maybe you and I, Kyle, have heard this before because I can't remember where I heard it from. Maybe Sandy Richter, because I bring her up all the time. Um, where she talked about one of the things that Jesus does is um, 
brings integrity mm-hmm. to the uh, the father of the bride because oh. to run out of wine would have been um, a shameful thing at a wedding. Mm-hmm. And so there's this idea of um, continuing to bring integrity to the bride's father, the one who's throwing the wedding party mm-hmm. because they ran out right. and they ran out kind of early in. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really interesting aspect as well of, cause I agree transformation, making something new. And then it, it just in general of the fact that Jesus would have been the only one who could have done such a thing. Right. right. And this isn't even to talk about his, his mom who comes up to him and is like, take care of this. Cause mm-hmm. <laughs> you are the son of God. You know, there's this inference of like, you can do it kind right. of thing. But That's a whole other doesn't issue. Jesus, but like, uh, you know, okay, I got to flip there real quick. Cause I there's so many things gone. we could talk about in, in I regard know, to this yeah. one. I know that Pastor Doug has covered mm-hmm. lots of it. So, I just, you know, I found it interesting. I'm going to get there. Doesn't Jesus like tell oh, he Mary? Gets on to her. He's like, it's not the right time, mom. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. Yet. It's not yet. Not <laughs> yet. But he does it anyway. Not yet my time, woman, or yeah. something uh-huh. is yeah, not yeah, translated. Yeah. The youth yeah. love that one too. Yeah. The boys, woman. Like, uh-huh. no, Getting that's on not. Yeah. No. Nope. Nope. That was, a, that was just a phrase. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting All back right. to so, miracles before we get off track too much. Mm-hmm. Getting back to miracles, because you brought something up, Haley, um, when we were talking about these yesterday, that I had... I don't know. And so I want you to share share that. Yeah. So if you are reading through um, the Essential Jesus mm-hmm. book with us, and if you mm-hmm. don't have a book, then contact us and we can help you find one. Yes. But this gave a really interesting introduction, which I never knew. So there's this thing called the Jefferson Bible. And yes. mm-hmm. basically Thomas Jefferson was really fascinated by the teachings of Jesus. And he believed he was a great moral teacher and wanted to live by the characteristics and principles that he laid out. Anyway, he took the Bible and basically chopped it up and put all the moral teachings in a chronological order. And he created his own what they call the Jefferson Bible. And this Bible was discovered later and it was given to every member of Congress for like 50 years from 1905 to 1955 because it's just good morals to live by. Mm -hmm. Now the trick to that is it was just the teachings. So Thomas Jefferson cut out all the supernatural, Mm -hmm. the the things that describe Jesus being divine, the miracles, Mm -hmm. because he didn't actually believe that he was the son of God and that he had supernatural powers, but he believed in his teachings. However, I will say that I have heard multiple people say that he actually wrote it as a an evangelistic tool to make the message of Jesus more approachable to people who would not believe in the miracles. So <laughs> that's, I, I've had, I've heard multiple people say that. So yeah. it, it we can't really know right. if he actually did believe in Jesus or not, mm-hmm. but because I've heard the same thing that you heard yeah. and I've been corrected huh. on that yeah. by other mm-hmm. people because uh, I, I have made the same comments that you just made. Right. And so I, I find it very interesting that maybe it depends on how we look at something like that it, because it, miracles in and of themselves are hard they to make believe. It, they make Jesus a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, they absolutely. do. Yeah, they do. But it is interesting mm-hmm. that Jefferson, I mean, whatever way he decided yeah. to do it, well, first of all, I don't know that you should chop up the Bible. Yeah, you, it, uh, seems, whatever his intention It seems like a bad idea and maybe slightly heretical right or something, but I'm not going to do it. Um, but 
whether he did or not, or for whatever intent and purpose he did, I think one of the interesting things that Haley and I were talking about is that if you just take his moral teachings, if you're a skimmer of the Bible in any mm-hmm. way, shape or form, and you just read Jesus's moral teachings, but you don't also spend some time in the miracles, Jesus is fully God and fully man. That's what that's what makes him what he needs to be mm-hmm. for humanity. And so you, you miss a really important part of, of Jesus that is the fulfillment of our savior. Right, and, and well, the words that C.S. Lewis wrote about Jesus was that he, mm-hmm. he either is who he says he is mm-hmm. or he's a lunatic and a madman, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's really no middle ground for mm-hmm. Jesus to just be a moral teacher because when you look at the quote unquote moral teachings of Jesus, you know, yes, he says a lot of good things. He says a lot of crazy things. Sure. Yeah. Especially He's, if you take them the time, just at sure. within the Yeah, sure. Yeah. Within Absolutely. the context, yes, they were offensive to people. Yeah. They made they made the teachers mad. They mm-hmm. confused the the normal, you know, commoner, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And then and then you've got I mean, you have to understand too, culturally, when Jesus comes on the scene, there's lots of lots of other people who are proclaiming to be Messiah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they have followers as well. So there's even more confusion for people of, well, who do I believe? Well, this guy over here, I mean, he's doing some things that you you can't explain. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is, uh, the miracles we're gonna talk about today, like those are unexplainable, yet you also had people who you could call charlatans who mm-hmm. were, um, you know, kind of, I make you look over here while I do this other thing. And it makes it seem like mm-hmm. I have the power of of God and that would then define me as the Messiah, but really it's sleight of hand, mm-hmm. right? You know, yeah. that's not what Jesus was doing. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't and, doing sleight yeah. of hand, it, you know? There's no sleight of hand when the sea goes from right. raging to quiet. Right, <laughs> which we can definitely we can definitely pop into. So uh-huh. sure, yeah, we know that this first story we're going to talk about in Mark four. That's what is setting part, or excuse me, Mark four, starting in verse thirty five. Mm-hmm. It's on down the chapter. That's what's setting apart this Jesus figure mm-hmm. is these mm-hmm. unexplainable miracles, and the the reason that he has to be divine, divine and can do miracles mm-hmm. is because. We have to have, to make Christianity different than all other religions, there's got to be a reliance on something other than yourself. Mm-hmm. So there has to be an outside force that comes down and meets you at your level and works divinely in your life for you. So you don't mm-hmm. have to rely on only yourself to get to that God, but but he works on behalf of you. He fills right. the gaps, right? Yeah. When you would fall short and not have enough wine, he comes in right. and fills the gaps. Right. So that's what we're going to see in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. Yeah. So essentially what happens is there's a big crowd of people. Jesus wants to get the disciples on a boat and leave the crowd, and they're going across to the other side. They're going to be traveling to the territory of Galilee, where there's going to be Gentiles, and he's going to do more ministry there. But what happens on the way is this big storm comes, and Jesus is taking a nap down at the bottom of the boat, (laughs) and the disciples are all really scared, and what's going on? They come to Jesus. They say, don't you care? We're dying. We're drowning. La, la, la. (laughs) And he wakes up 
speaks, be, boom, be still, peace, and then questions their faith. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> when we read Mark, this is what I lo- love to point out in this story. Mm-hmm. When we read it from beginning to end, like it's meant to be read, mm-hmm. specifically the Gospel of Matthew too, but up to this point, we are just so confused, kind of. Mark doesn't give a lot of background. Mark just jumps straight into the yeah. story. Exactly. And he's like, when you get up to this part of chapter four, um, Mark, uh, John, let me try again. Jesus has been spouting off, apparently, parable after parable yeah. about the parable uh-huh. of the kingdom of God. That's the intent of what he's trying to mm-hmm. teach his, whoever's listening about the kingdom of God. And it's fast paced. And you're like, whoa, I don't know. I don't even know where we are today. I don't know what it means. Yeah, I don't exactly. know what it means. That's right. And everything before that he's healing he's doing miracles and the people are confused mark goes from one story to the next and the people at the end of every story are like who is this man why does he speak like this (laughs) who is this so as you read it, it you get to this part and you're seeing that a lot jesus has done a lot mm-hmm and so he was probably tired mm-hmm. <laughs> like he was tired when he got on that boat and he napped and i love that in this storm, because Jesus knew there was a storm happening, and granted, he's Jesus. He's not going to be afraid of the weather because he can control it. Mm-hmm. But when we are doing our ministry and we're doing the things that God calls us to do and we're just putting our foot in, one foot in front of the other and a storm comes, mm-hmm. but we're in the space that God has for us and doing his work, we can often rest mm-hmm. through those storms. I mean, when I'm really strong spiritually and something just small, minute gets on my nerves and work, it it doesn't affect me as much uh-huh. as if I'm not taking care of myself spiritually mm-hmm. and I'm really walking close with the Lord and then I get frustrated about everything and I can't sleep and I'm, I'm not at peace. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, I just love that he was sleeping in the storm because he was right where God had him, you know, yeah. and there was a storm and those come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you got to be able to sleep through them and help people through them. Yeah. So I want to ask a question to y'all really quickly in, uh, in verse 39. What does your Bible say that Jesus says to the storm? Mine's peace be still. What does yours say? Mine says peace be still. So in here, this one... I have an ESV. Yeah, you have ESV. And in my New King James, I have Peace Be Still. Yours NIV? Um, It's ESV ESV. Okay. So in the NASB with Strong's in my olive tree, do you want to know what the Greek word says? Yes. Hush. Ah. Be still. Hmm. And so I thought that was kind of funny because I've only ever seen it, peace, be still. Yeah. But apparently, and I'm reading this d- definition for this Greek word, and if you've been around this podcast at all before, you know how nerdy I get about words sometimes. This one is translated as an involuntary stillness. Oh, yeah. As opposed yeah. to the winds choosing to obey. Mm-hmm. Jesus is, is proclaiming something that mm-hmm. is a command that the the seas and the winds mm. have no choice but to mm-hmm. be still. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. That that's it, fascinating. It to is me. fascinating. <laughs> and you know, there's only one creature that's ever dared to disobey God. 
Mm-hmm. And that's been us. Yeah. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Because the rest of creation yep. does what God says. Well, and the rest of creation suffers when we don't. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because there's scripture all over that talks about how creation groans and waits and dies because we have disobeyed because our choices then directly affect the rest of creation too. Right. So there's something really interesting. There is. That, that is yeah. really cool. And not that's not saying God brings all these terrible storms all the time no, and what's sure. no, no, no. No, I mean no. there's evil in the world and you know God has control over those things but but it's just interesting when we speak about creation in the Bible. Mm-hmm, yeah. that it listens. Yeah. yeah. Okay, there's one other thing. I, mm-hmm. I want to throw out something that I literally just came to my, to my brain mm-hmm, about this um, passage. So we, we just talked about how Luke is really fast-paced, right? And there's kind of thing after thing Mark. after thing. I mean, Mark, Mark. you're mm-hmm. right. Mark is really fast-paced and there's thing after thing after thing. Could it possibly be that... Though there is a storm, could it be a metaphorical of what's going on in the hearts of the disciples as well? Because they Mm. answer Jesus at the end, after he does all this stuff, you you get this like, they say, I mean, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Which I made a note because they say it often in the miracles that we read this week. And they're like, what the heck? Who is this guy? And I'm like, you left everything to to go follow follow him. him. Don't you know who he is yet? But- um, there was a metaphor um, my friend Scott Wright would talk about in regard to sometimes when you drink from a fire hydrant, it's just like there's so much information mm-hmm. that you you get overwhelmed and you you thought you knew what you thought, but then just there's, you get confused and then you start to question and whatever. And I do wonder if part of this is that the disciples have spent this time so far, they're hearing all this stuff, they're traveling around, they're seeing these miracles and they thought they knew what they were committed to. And then this is way beyond even what they could have imagined. And I I wonder if the storm is also reflective of a storm within their hearts and the hush be still mm-hmm. is also kind of a response because he responds then to them. Cause they're like, I mean, don't you care about us? And all of this is like, don't you realize that you have overwhelmed us? And now there's a storm in our hearts and there's a storm raging out here too. And you're just sleeping. You've just like thrown all this stuff on us. And now you're just, you're just sleeping it off and we're (laughs) struggling. Uh And he commands the, the creation, which I mean, maybe there should have been that for for humanity as well. Hush, be still and just listen because then Mm -hmm. he answers about faith. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, don't, don't you have any faith? Don't, where is your kind of trust to lean in, even mm-hmm. if you don't understand? So do you think maybe there's like a both and for that? Could you see it? Am I way off base? No, I, I, no I, I, I think you kind of thought kind of came to mind, you know? Yeah. I think th- that's mm-hmm. right on. And when we think about this as a, when we're evangelizing or trying to show others, Jesus, if, if they don't, a lot of people don't believe in miracles. I mean, and that's not a bad thing, but whenever we present them, it's just mm-hmm. going to be, it, they're, it's going to be a lot for them. And we can't, I guess we can't, um, we can't think less of them or not mm-hmm. be just as open to keep trying because right. it's just a lot. Yeah. Like yeah. they're, you know, and Christians feel that way too. So we struggle. Mm-hmm. Internally, yeah, and we need to meet people where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus does that here, and 
a little bit of a strong manner, hush, yeah. be still. Yeah. But sometimes he meets them with a gentle, like, understand where you're at. Yeah. This is the truth and I'm going to keep telling you until you see it for yourself type of thing. Mm-hmm, right. And I'm going to be here until you do. Right. So, um, yeah, I love that. That's great. And so we can look at that relationship with the water and what the disciples are feeling and maybe this internal struggle. struggle. And then the next passage that we have in the reading is, um, well, it's actually two mm-hmm. passages. It's, yeah, it's in Matthew 14. Mm-hmm. Yes. Again, so, having to do with water to some extent. Yes. That's right. Yes. Bringing so, that connection in. So mm-hmm. that story was Jesus was in the boat and there was a storm outside. And in Matthew chapter 14, and later on in Mark as well, the same story is told differently, but um, there's people in a boat, there's a storm, and Jesus is outside mm-hmm. of the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes Jesus keeps us from trouble, but sometimes he's just with us in the trouble. Yeah. Um, and so I just think, I just think that's interesting. You're going to get storms. There's storms. We're, yeah. we're seeing that. The, the role Jesus plays is kind of all around, but yeah. there's going to be storms and water and craziness. Um, so, yeah, what happens when Jesus calms this storm? He's out in the water. The disciples see this man walking out there. They're terrified. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, if I saw a guy kind of hovering yeah. over the water in the midst of a storm, I'd be terrified too. Absolutely. You know? And I don't know that I would have initially thought, oh, that's Jesus. Yeah. He's out there hanging uh-huh. out, well, hovering I, above the waters. <laughs> the for, for whatever it's worth, I would imagine that there was probably a significant level of superstition still kind of a part of the culture of these people. So, oh my goodness, there's a spirit, there's a ghost, you know. Chances are they've never seen a ghost, but they've heard stories. Right. People, you know, blowing smoke or whatever, I'm sure. Yeah, there and, there definitely is. There's some supernatural. Mm-hmm. I don't know what all it is, but there's a belief about yeah. spirits and mm-hmm. water and well, and in this region too. There's I read somewhere in my um my cultural bible cuz we're talking about this. There's um one of the things uh, footnotes talked about how it was believed uh, ghost apparitions were usually frightening. Um, Jewish tradition warned of dangerous night spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gentiles and probably a number of Jew- Jews believed in ghosts, and um, they viewed Jews viewed the afterlife, um, heaven or hell, and future resurrection. But Gentiles often believed that the ghosts of those drowned at sea hovered over the sites of their deaths. So bum, bum, bum. you are right. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. were, that is a cultural understanding. Mm-hmm. Is that and, and for what it's worth, also, I remember Doug at some point talking about water and the sea and everything. And it, it was something that was feared mm-hmm. because of how unpredictable it could be. And so like it, it wasn't just, oh, I'm a fisherman. I go out, I fish, I come back, I have fun. No, it, every time you go out in a boat, you're taking your life into your own hands. And when we were in the Holy Land Mm -hmm. on um, the Sea of Galilee, they talked about how it wasn't unusual because of where the Sea of Galilee is found in the midst of these kind of um, mountainous things that a squall could come up at at Mm -hmm. any time. And that was very unpredictable. And because of of where the Sea of Galilee was positioned, it would be really, really, really strong. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it it was a known 
Yeah. It could happen. It's freaky. Yeah. And Jesus is just a well, wandering on the water, all calm like in the midst of yeah, it. Yeah, you're in you the know? Jordan River Valley uh-huh. where, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, strong wind currents just come on through. Right. Yeah, so that that is all at the, we see him have power over creation and water. The first story, we see it the second story. I mean, it's literally at his footstool. He's, he's mm-hmm. walking and having control over it. Um, and I, I think it's interesting to point out to just, to have clarity on why some of the gospels differ and why they tell stories differently. So Mark and Matthew tell this story very differently. And Mark Mm -hmm. doesn't even say anything about Peter walking on the water. He just says there was a man walking on the water. And some people use that as that there's inconsistencies in the Bible and that's why the Bible can't be true and X, Y, and Z. But we know that that's not the case because Mm -hmm. The, the Gospels aren't trying to tell the same story. They're trying to tell four different accounts from all their perspectives mm-hmm. and thoughts right. and points of view. And to a perspective audience yeah. as well. To, to a yeah. perspective audience. So when Mark says that they saw this man walking on the water and they were terrified, some people read that and feel what Mark was feeling. And when mm-hmm. Matthew says they were scared, but then they realized it was the king and, and they, you know, or Jesus and, and they felt marveled. Mm-hmm. And some people read that and connect with Matthew's mm-hmm. viewpoint on it. Um, so just know that when you read these differences, there's reasoning and explanation behind all of them. And if you have more questions about those. That's what we're here for. That's and right. You can do the going deeper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ask going deeper at gmail.com. That is our question and answer email address. That's right. If you haven't heard that before, then you probably have never listened to an episode before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and I actually, I don't know if there's anything else about water, but I just, the last mm-hmm. reading is so fascinating to me mm-hmm. and I need to learn so much about it. Oh, is this the fig tree it. one? Yes. Uh-huh. And Jesus is just bringing life into all of these things around him and healing mm-hmm. and bringing, and then all of a sudden, What's we read this book? story. It Tell is me where it is Matthew again. chapter 21. That's right. 18 through 22. And it seems like he just gets mad at this fig tree and then mm-hmm. kills it, just curses it. And I don't get what what's happening. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was having a conversation. I've struggled with the same passage mm-hmm. and I was having a conversation with um, another staff member. And I said, so what, so I think what the scripture is saying is that Jesus was hangry. <laughs> <laughs> He, he was he was hungry and he was angry. And the reason I say he was angry is because when you read the passage right before this, it's Jesus mm-hmm. cleansing the temple. Yeah. And and Jesus being righteously angry about the fact that the um the people had raised the the money to for the most poor of poor to be able to buy the sacrifices they need so they could come in and do their sacrifices. I mean, mm-hmm. they're exploiting the poor and um, that it was wrong. And so he has this righteous anger in this moment and turns over tables and whatever. So I feel like it was residual anger and he was, and he was hungry. So he was yeah. hangry that day, yeah. <laughs> that morning. And it does act, it says that he was hungry and he walked to the fig tree. Right. I read somewhere that said they, there would have been, fruit on the tree at this point. Like he might've been going up to because they Because fruit. the scripture says that he, it had leaves. Right. It's okay. in season. So it should have had fruit, mm-hmm. but it didn't. Mm. So, 
things. But I don't know that hangry is really a, um, a righteous uh, feeling for Jesus to have. <laughs> so I couldn't reconcile myself with that. Right. So I went and asked Doug, because that's what I do when I get real confused sometimes. <laughs> I go find somebody and uh-huh. I ask them questions. Yeah. Um, and Doug was available at the time. Okay, so I said, Doug, can, can Jesus be hangry? Um, because I think this is what happened. He was mad that the tree didn't have any fruit and he just killed it because he can do that. I mean, because uh, he can calm a storm and tell it to hush. We've already read all that. So he can kill a tree because he was hungry and it didn't have what he needed. But that just seems not right for Jesus to do, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so as Doug does, he entertained my idea for a little while and was like, well, he could be. And then he was like, but maybe here's some other things to think about. So this is what I present to you that Doug presented to me and okay. we, we can do whatever we think about <laughs> ready for the, it. <laughs> what the things that he said. So the first thing he said was that the tree um, should have been producing fruit, mm-hmm. but it wasn't producing fruit. So the tree was not doing what the tree should have been doing. And because the tree is not doing what the tree should have been doing in the midst of it, it is still taking nutrients it is still it's it's still partaking of the things that it should have been utilizing to make good fruit but it's not producing any fruit therefore it is taking away from something else that could have produced fruit and used the nutrients hmm. and so he tells the tree to never make again so that it withers and dies to give space for something else to be able to grow up the right way. Ooh, I like that. So good. Right? Because then he talks about faith. After it happens, mm-hmm. he talks yeah. about faith with, with his disciples. And then he talks about if you have faith, if you are utilizing your faith, then you can make a mountain move. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have faith, you will wither and die just like this fig tree ultimately needed to. I mean, you you're taking up nutrients or you're taking up space, maybe even essentially by walking with me as one of the 12. But if you are not really leaning into the faith, then um, maybe you need to be replaced by someone who's willing to, I mean, he wasn't gonna replace them, but I mean, you know, like there's this idea of like, are you gonna lean into faith? Are you gonna take the nutrients and make them what they they should be? Are you gonna hear my words and have fruit produced within your life? Or hmm. are you just gonna mooch? That's right. Yeah. You know, I, man, that, that hits for me because I can picture Jesus in this state of being frustrated with his ministry because people are screwing it up essentially. Mm-hmm. And he's hungry and he goes to this tree cause he needs to be fed. Mm-hmm. So we imagine, um, like if you're a mama or a, you have a big family and you think about a Thanksgiving feast and you, and you, imagine that people don't eat all day because we Mm -hmm. don't on Thanksgiving Mm because we save our hunger. And then imagine if we got to a Thanksgiving meal and there was no food for us to feed. There was just fed. a tofurkey. Ah. Worse than no food is a tofurkey. I'm sorry for those of you who maybe maybe like that. <laughs> yeah, just, we will pray for you. We'll pray for you. Yeah, but so you're the mama. You were supposed to fix this feast, but but you didn't. Mm-hmm. And the people that showed up didn't get fed. Imagine if someone walks into a church expecting to get fed because mm-hmm. they need the people of God around them, and the sermons about something political 
and not mm-hmm. about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine if they walk in and no one talks to them. Mm-hmm. Um, we feed and produce fruit for the people around us. Right. Yeah. And if you are not, mm-hmm. we, there's got to be a change. We're not following our role as Christians. Um, if your neighbor comes up to talk to you and they need to be fed mm-hmm. some some love and care and maybe an invitation to church, and if you run inside because you don't really feel like talking to anyone that afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus tells us here that we need to check ourselves sometimes. Yeah. Bless you. Sorry. Here's one other thing that he pointed out that I think is really significant because this is the next question that I'd asked Doug. He's Jesus. Wouldn't mm-hmm. it have been just as powerful for him to have told the fig, the fig tree to actually make fruit? He could, he commanded it to die. Couldn't he have also commanded it just to produce fruit? Right? Because he has hmm. dominion over. And this is what this is what Doug kind of, like he nudged me into this. So I, some of it is his words and some of it is my words. If you notice, Jesus does a lot of miracles for other people. Mm-hmm. Jesus does not produce food for himself. He never does for himself. Now think about when he's tempted yeah. and Satan says, we'll make those rocks bread. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm not doing that. I will, I will continue to struggle with my hunger, mm-hmm. right? So there's something uh, potentially about the fact that Jesus didn't do it for himself. He didn't produce food, the figs, tell the tree to produce figs so he could have. Now, maybe if all of the rest of the disciples had also been hungry, Mm-hmm. Maybe that could have been an option, but it wasn't about, Jesus didn't make things about himself. It was all about other people. Even when we read the rest of the miracles, we didn't even talk about the feeding the 5,000, but yeah. one of the things that happens at the very front of the feeding of the 5,000 is Jesus has just gotten word that John has has been killed and he is mourning. And so the scripture says, he gets into a boat to go to a desolate place by Mm -hmm. himself. But what happens when he gets to that desolate place is there's a crowd of people who have heard that Jesus is going somewhere Mm -hmm. and they, they gather there because they want to be healed and all of this kind of stuff. And it's the scripture says, Jesus has compassion on them and he does many miracles and healings. And then he does the miracle of feeding all of them because there's no way they could have gone to the village to get food. There wouldn't have been enough. So even in his like struggle of wanting to mourn, very likely mourn John's death, he didn't push the people aside and say, I need a minute. Mm -hmm. He, he has compassion on them and he does for them. So he doesn't produce the fruit because it's it would only have been for him. Yeah. Instead, he utilizes this as another way to teach his disciples about when you are not um, taking in and learning and doing and then producing fruit, you are not living into who you are called to be. He uses it again as an example of something to teach others instead of it be about himself because he didn't mm. come for it to be about himself. Yeah. Wow. So throwing that one out there is Love another it. thought yeah. that about this particular miracle story. And then That's, you just got on top of it. He, he can tell a fig tree to make fruit or die mm-hmm. because he's the God of all creation. Right. right. And so- I mean, that that's that kind of sums up this week. We've got more miracles that we're going to talk about next week. But um, 
these are really powerful things to think about when we consider that it's not that these miracles give validity necessarily to Jesus's ministry and the fact that he is who he says he is. But well, they, they do give validity. Well, he had they, to be they able do. to. I mean, you know. I, but sorry, but in, in each of the miracles, yeah. Jesus, when he does them and they say, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And his response is, why can't you believe it? Mm-hmm. Because you've been with me. Mm-hmm. And so to me, something in that says that as we spend time with Jesus, we should almost expect things to happen that we can't explain. I mean, maybe we're not feeding 5,000 people with, you know, a loaf of Wonder Bread and a pack of fish sticks. But man, that would be cool. I'm it, not eating fish sticks, so I don't really like them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find something else to yeah. multiply. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sometimes our eyes aren't open enough. Right. Well, there and, are people in desolate places all around the world that God is revealing himself to. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, coming down, like, they're seeing him. Yeah. Like, hearing his voice, being mm-hmm. re- like, in Ruston, Louisiana, sometimes we're not always, our eyes are not always open to know all that God is mm-hmm. doing, and we have what we need. And we, you know, so if we're not seeing the miracles of Jesus, mm-hmm. we should open our eyes a little more mm-hmm. and go on a mission trip or something, yeah. you know, yeah. like get. Just seriously. Yeah, and just be be ready. And it's something that I said last week that y'all weren't here for was we were talking about the parable. Uh, Jesus was talking about, um, see, I mean, it's going to come to me in just a second. Uh, when we're when done podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> when, when he's talking about when you did it to the least of these and the disciples are saying, well, we didn't see that. And I think that applies here too. The, the thought carries over that, Jesus wants us to see people. He wants us to look. He wants us to notice. Mm -hmm. And when we start noticing Jesus, then we're going to start noticing the people. And I think maybe maybe there's something to think about there. Mm -hmm. There's something for me to think about there. Mm -hmm. Me too. See? And, but, and y'all think out there that uh, these podcasts are just for y'all. They're for as much for us as they are for anybody. Very much so. <laughs> yep. So I cut you off, Becky. You were. No, I just was, I get to maybe wrap it all up again. Mm-hmm. I know you're trying to put a bow on it as no, well. No, no. Um, good. You know, I think the the situation of miracles is every every time that Jesus responds to his disciples because they seem kind of amazed and confused is we lean too much into we can take care of it Mm -hmm. instead of saying God can do anything. So let me look for the things that God is doing instead of what just I can do. So we can go see some miracles on mission trips. And I think we should do those things, but God is working miracles here in Ruston Mm -hmm. all the time, but we are not, we've made ourselves inclined not to look. Mm-hmm. because it's just easier for us to say, I can do something instead of go, what is God doing that only God can do? And I also think we also do a thing where um, this is a miracle, this high thing up here, but this little thing down here is probably not a miracle. Mm-hmm. So like we rate a miracle. That's a miracle is a miracle. Yeah. And a miracle is not really a big miracle or a small miracle. It's just a miracle because mm-hmm. only God could do it. Yeah. Um, and so we need to, I agree, our eyes should be open. We need to be looking 
for the miraculous because God's showing himself all the time. He's still doing miracles. Maybe that's the question that we need to come back to. Is God still doing miracles? Mm -hmm. Do you see them? Is it possible? Could he feed 5,000 people even today in Ruston, Louisiana? He could. Mm -hmm. He could. Absolutely. With faithful people, faithful people. He could. Yeah. And so I want to know your comments and your thoughts about this. And if you do have questions about some of these, like we mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. uh, send an email to us, askgoingdeeper at gmail.com. Uh, and also maybe even more than just sending us a question, share the miracles that you've seen in your life because there is no better testimony to the power of Jesus than us telling the story of what Jesus has done for us in our lives. So share with us those stories and you know, who knows, maybe you, you know, you write a comment in the YouTube section of this video if you're watching on YouTube and somebody else sees it and then, wow, that's, that's sharing the story of God. Mm -hmm. And so this amazing things can happen when we start talking about the miracles yeah. of Jesus every day. So with that, I guess that pretty much brings us to an end. Uh, <clears throat> like I say every week, Subscribe, hit the notification bell, like, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast content from. And I got nothing else, so I'm just gonna say thanks for listening. We'll see y'all next week. Mm -hmm.